Today, we have Rohit Chabla amongst us. Before turning into a serial entrepreneur, he used to work in companies such as Deloitte, Accenture, and EY. He then went on to start his own company by the name of iLabs Venture Private Limited. That was one of the only execution-focused incubators in India. Post this, he ventured into the beauty and grooming industry as the founder and CEO of the Man Company. A few years later, Rohit launched the very popular beauty brand called Bear Anatomy. As the CEO of its parent company, One Store Labs, he recently launched India's first ceramides-based skincare brand called Chemist at Play. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rohit. Despite being under the weather, uh, we're really excited to have you, you know, hosting today's session. And we really hope you're looking forward to spending the next hour with our members as well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited as well. I hope this is fruitful for everyone as well for me. Thank you so much. And before we get, you know, buzzing with all those questions, I'm going to engage you in a very quick game. Uh, this is just so our members can get to know you a little better. So what you've got to do is say the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following words. So are you all set? Okay. Perfect. Let's get started then. The next big thing in D2C. House of Brands. Personal care industry in India. Still very early stage. Very, very Nike IP. Lack, lacks innovative. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. You were saying? Lack of innovation. Okay. The Nike IPO. Exceeded uh, expectations. Social media for consumer discovery. It's getting saturated. And the, lastly, the talk of the town, Shark Tank, Shark Tank India. I haven't really watched it yet, <laughs> but I think it's it's good. All right. Thank you so much for those responses, Rohit. Uh, we can't wait to hear more from you. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we had shared the questions most of you asked while registering for the session with Rohit already. We're going to mix those up with those that are going to come along on the chat box today. Uh, so please start dropping your questions on everything about consumer discovery and marketing, and let's get that chat box buzzing. Rohit, as a founder of multiple D2C brands, you know, you build these brands on strategies that largely focus on the consumer. Especially with Bear Anatomy, we've seen that the focus on personalization of products is uh, your, your forte, basically. Taking the leap from consulting and then, you know, disrupting the sector with these brands, how did that journey actually start for you? And, uh, you know, we'd love to know how the landscape of consumerism has changed in the past couple of years and with what's to come as well. Got it. So I think I'll first give you a little bit about the context for the question, how I transitioned, right? And then we'll talk about the landscape and how it has changed. Um, so I have been working abroad mostly around eight to 10 years, uh, mostly New York and London, right? With New York, uh, you know, with uh, Accenture in MA or Deloitte consulting with, again, strategy as well, right? Uh, I was doing that because that's all I knew. Like, you know, you do your master's, you do your MBA, whatever, and then you get into consulting, good paying jobs, all that stuff. Uh, but somewhere down the line, I realized it's probably not what my passion is. I felt bored, uh, you know, even the projects were short, which is still a saving grace. You know, imagine if I had to do a job in a corporate in a long-term same role, right? It, it would kill me probably, right? So, uh, but I think the calling, inner calling was there and I took a leap of faith. I just jumped and I came back to India without any offer or anything. I said, India, ja ke dekh lenge kya karna hai. Um, so that's what happened. I started with an incubator and what happened with an incubator was I was trying to help many startups build their own business models and technology around it. During that, I, I got an experience of a consumer startup in that, right? 
I think, and that's it, it instantly hit me. You know, this is what I love because you know, even though my background, my education is very different, it's still sort of in the in the analytical part of the business or the business part of it. This creative side really got me, like, really gave me goosebumps. Like, you know, you you can say like, you know, people keep finding the careers. I I really found it pretty late in life that way. That what is that I really enjoy. Once I got the hang of it, then I realized this is it. And then I started the man company. Like after that, like I realized incubator is not for me. Then let me just focus on one startup in you know with consumer space. And that's when man man company came in. Um, because I was passionate about it, I I figured out everything what I need to do. Child building a website to figuring out the customer discovery challenges which you guys might have today, right? Uh, and all all those things around it, right? And then it then you don't look back. Like once you get the hang of it. So that's a short uh, summary. When coming back to uh, the second question, which is like how the landscape has changed, I think the landscape has changed a little too much. Um, you know, uh, first the struggle in the initial days when I was doing the man company was like, how do you build a website? There was a tech team you had to work with. There was no Shopify, WooCommerce, and all these platforms. Uh, to give you an example, I I took Sh Shopify as one of the first customers in India, in single digits, maybe fifth customer, right? uh and uh, and you know ram 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 karke humne shopify mein switch kara because abhi it's like no brainer you know so but but at that time it was a very big decision to do or in you know canadian company india mein bahut payment gateway se leke a lot of challenges uh, but it really worked and similar things like that what we have realized is the market is either changing like there was a demonetization so it it helped right in some way because people started paying online uh, and it helped with reducing the rto for example right uh second was uh, your gst it, it added some complications in the business uh, it took some time then this pandemic happened right and that has totally changed completely whatever ha didn't happen in the last 5 years changed within a year uh, all these big fmcg companies jumped into the online foray they had no choice like offline was sort of uh, no brain, you know it was dead for a while so they realized they have to uh and then they got educated like they hired folks like me um you know to help them build their d2c arms and stuff like that of course they're not very successful uh just they they have a lot of money and a lot of brand recall so it works for them but that made the industry a lot more complicated the consumer when i said you know as you said social media is saturated and that's the reason right uh, earlier you could you had a very good organic reach but nowadays the competition has become so much because everyone is trying to do the same thing repetitive stuff uh, so the consumer gets bored very quickly you know and that's where the challenge is there are a lot of brands you follow but you don't even realize that you are they're not coming in your feeds ever you know so stuff like that right? you know so what brands could do earlier it's not happening so so you have to keep thinking out of the box keep spending more money sometimes because facebook and google's are monopolies that way or amazon is a monopoly that way like you know in their own areas and uh, you know your own standalone brands uh, websites become very difficult and which is why i said you know the next thing in d2c is house of brands no absolutely and i think it's so interesting to see how the landscape's completely changed from uh, struggling to kind of figure out how e-commerce is going to work here and now just completely crowded in that sector um coming to that i have a question you know that uh, you've seen a lot of crowded categories that have been disrupted right now by d2c brands specifically um and you mentioned this as well that everyone's starting to look alike sound alike uh what do you think are some uh some sort of you know strategies that one can kind of adopt to take differentiation to another level at this point of time uh of course it depends on the category i'm focused on beauty and personal care so i can talk about that a little bit yeah. um you know there are a lot of things how you can differentiate one is your brand name itself uh, you know the story that you build around your products and the brand 
the packaging, the visual identity. Uh, but what happens is that, you know, the competition catches up. You, what you may do something unique today might be replicated very quickly. Like, you know, that has happened forever, right? It has been happening, right? Uh, sometimes startups are copying other startups, you know, stuff like that. So that happens a lot, right? So I think you have to be very authentic, you know, and, and you have to stick to your core, you know, and, and you have to build your consumer base accordingly. Like, you know, you have to have a good story around it, like why you're doing this. And if you are true to it and you focus on it, and if that has a good market opportunity, then you can grow. You know, though that's something that I can say being authentic and, and content, you know, the combination of it works out because everything else can be replicated. Absolutely. Uh, Rachna has a really interesting question. Uh, would you like to unmute yourself and ask that question, Rachna? Sure, man. thanks. Uh, hi, Rohit. Uh, as a consumer, I would like to congratulate you on both the brands. I've actually happened to use uh, both the man company as well as Bear Anatomy. Uh, great products. Uh, coming to my questions very specifically. So uh, when you have a product which has such a large target segment, like if you think about shampoos or conditioners, anybody and everybody uses it. But then you must have drilled down and said that here is a segment that I really want to cater to first. And that, that would have been your initial strategy to launch the product. How did you drill down into that uh, segment? Was it a product-led decision? Was it a growth-led decision? Or what are the parameters that one can think of when you drill down to a segment like this? So I think, first of all, uh, you know, it's an interesting question because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you when you were trying to build something, you know, either you find an opportunity and 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 you have nothing else to do like you know like some in sometimes my case right i did not have a problem when i moved to india uh, like i wanted to do something of my own so i was looking for opportunities at that point right because i had no experience around what industry and as i said incubator helped me figure out that i love consumer space and that's led to another thing right so when i picked consumer i realized what i want to do and that's when i started thinking as a consumer like having lived in new york and london and even paris like you know for eight two years as i said i realized that i had a lot of options of grooming products for myself uh you know a uh, lot of perfumes a lot of lot of body shower gels like you know a lot of creams everything right which i was exposed to because the environment was like that there were aisles with with men's grooming section right in india it did not exist so and if and and, and you know sounds like cliche but when i wanted to buy products for myself they were not there, you know, because I'm used to a certain kind of a, like a fragrance, a premiumness sort of, because, you know, those, those cities have like the best, the best products, right? In India, the, those same, it was commoditized, like very FMCG companies were doing it, but, but let's say Unilever would do it, but they would do it for women because that's where the market is, right? Uh, a shampoo would smell like a, you know, like a flowery fragrance, like, you know, the product may remain the same. Technically, I'm just giving you an example. The product may remain the same, but the packaging, the look and feel, and that's what brand is about, right? How you make the customer connect to it. So I found a gap in men's grooming and that's how I went for it. And then when you go for it, you I, I just kept thinking like a consumer, like I had a beard that time. I mean, I just shaved a couple of days back, but I have been having a beard for a longest time. And I realized in India, it like starts itching. You know, you have to moisturize it. The oils make a lot of sense, right? And that really became a hit product. I, I was a, a fan of Lush. It's a cosmetic brand and they, they have very good soap bars, right? So I introduced some charcoal and some fragrance, you know, some natural uh, products like around soaps, right? Because I like soap bars as well, right? At the same time. So those became hit like, you know, charcoal series. So as we keep going along, you keep getting more consumer insights or you follow your gut or you have a data and then you keep building more products or, or you know, shape your brand accordingly. Understood. Thank you for that.
Thanks, Rachna. Um, Rohit, another really, uh, you know, interesting question that we're getting from Pooja about the Indian demography and how we're dealing with consumers as such. Uh, Pooja, you'd like to unmute yourself and ask? Pooja, can you hear me? I'll take up the question, actually. It's it's mostly about, you know, when we talk about uh, the economy of attention right now, where consumers are getting bored really quickly, they become a lot less patient. Um, how do you kind of grab that attention and ensure that there is retention of brand recall as well? Because the options are only increasing, uh, the communication is only increasing, but how do you kind of take advantage of this at the same time? Um, so I think that's that's the biggest challenge, right? Because consumer behavior is changing nowadays. You know, you started moving on videos, you know, entertaining videos. Like if you don't like that video, you keep skipping. Like there is no opportunity for that ad to even show up sometimes, right? You just skip it so quickly or, or you know. So that's what I said, you know, if your content is very authentic, right? Or your products are very differentiated, something has to stand out, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that has to be 10x better or at least even like two X better than what you're having. Like, you know, a, a product, for example, uh, like we have chemistry play as a, as a brand, right? So mm -hmm. there are, there are a lot of people who are doing vitamin C serums, right? But we have like an advanced 20% vitamin C, which is highly unstable for most people to do, you know, they cannot do that in India. Right. So for example, a skin cuticle brands in the U S you know, uh, would, would have that worth $165, right? We have the same set of product with the same ingredients because we are sourcing internationally as well. We could do it at less than $15, for example. Right. So the, there is a huge difference in cost, right? And if Indian want to buy that product, it's very expensive. So this something has to stand out that takes your attention for a second, because that's the only reason you can stop it, you know? Uh, ads have to be really creative. Like creativity has to go to the next level, right? Earlier, as I said, uh, to create an email, I didn't find designers in the first set of my journey, right? I, it was impossible to explain someone how to make a good email. Now that is not even a skill. I mean, it's such a commodity skill now that everyone can do that, right? It's like, you know, you have tools, you can just plug and play, you can drag and drop buttons and, and you know, you got your email ready. But then what is the message? How do you put the subject line? How do you catch, you know, a lot of things like that start changing. How do you leverage those tools along with your creativity? Then, then that becomes a question. Absolutely. So being authentic and making sure your communications right is basically how you kind of go about it. Um, another like follow-up question on this, do you think there's any sort of marketing tool that, you know, we are yet to realize the scope of that can be used to kind of create that differentiation yet? So I, I think the answer is that a lot of tools are there and everyone is aware of certain tools. So the point is what tool is working for you and what you haven't explored is the question because I don't know what you're using right now, like for example, right? So it could be like, even as, as a company, we might be using certain set of tools which are working but I, I think there is still some kind of exploration we need to do. So I think learning is, is a key here. Keep exploring, keep talking to other people, what is working for them. Talking to agencies sometimes help because they can help you with what is going on in the market. And sometimes trying to try new tools which are not tested can also help because that's where sort of the advantage may lie. Because everyone is using everything as same tools, right? So you may not have any differentiation, but, and that's what really worked for me uh, earlier when I was building the D2C playbook, right? I was trying to use Clavio as an email tool, for example, right? And that wasn't there in India earlier, right? Now it's an American company, now a massive big, uh, like it's around $10 billion now a company, right? When I used it, I had never heard the name, like and nobody in India was using it, right? So we got them. They were a very smart, very smart analytical tool, which, which kind of seamlessly integrated with Shopify and made my job so much easy. The automation was streamlined. 
so that helped me get my customers back to me you know like one is about selling your products in a in a very you know competitive market but then bringing your customer also is back is a challenge sometimes because again the attention span you know forgetfulness you know you're, when you're new your brand is not there yet right so there are a lot of such tools no absolutely and i just want to kind of go back on a few things over here um we spoken about how we kind of retaining the consumers and how we bringing consumers but you know when you're talking about a brand that's you know coming and emerging into the market um you're looking at the first steps of consumer discovery as well how do you propose a, a e-commerce brand uh, which is what most companies are right now would go about uh, consumer discovery in today's time and you know how do you kind of prioritize your marketing spend because you're also on a budget and you're just starting off um, how would you kind of advise uh, entrepreneurs to do that so one thing i would urge everyone whoever is launching it to please see how crowded the market is right one thing is to start something and the other is to start something really smartly right uh, like what is really there right if today you want to launch another skincare brand for example and you just say i have a great story it doesn't sell you know because the products cannot be extremely different from what it is already there in the market you know because most of the guys will not be r&d like i have a co-founder who is a scientist like he's worked with png unilever so that's why we can build something very very advanced right so that's something that we can claim like we know better than most people right but let's say you know i've seen a lot of people launching brands because they think they know better so if your product is not great you know even if you get an early win it will be very difficult to build a business out of it right so and again you know your friends uh, i would not say friends are the best source because they will always either support you or kind of say no uh, in 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 kind of like you know that open relationship like you know you're very comfortable with them but i think the first set of customers give a very good insight whether the product is really good and are they referring to others as well so referral really helps in the early stage when you have when you have a very tight budget because as everyone knows performance marketing is something that everyone should try a little bit that really helps with the discovery but the point is the first set of customers should definitely be able to refer other people uh, and that's why we have a referral program in every app that we build right every website we have the same uh, referral program because we make sure that if someone is liking our product they at least refer because otherwise it's very difficult uh to gain con- you know that trust or or kind of attention from a user who doesn't know your brand and when a friend recommends your pro- you know product you know you take it a little more seriously no absolutely i think word of mouth just kind of plays uh, a lot more importance that at the end of the day amrita has a question uh, on an early stage startup amrita would you like to unmute yourself and ask yeah thank you um hi uh, rohit so my question was that for an early stage startup with a very um lean mark like a lean team like let's say just two or three and you're just in the process of launching an mvp uh what you know one is still not started really making you know copious amounts of revenues or not gone into a venture capital sort of a stage uh but what kind of in your experience are the basic is a basic marketing investment that you feel is necessary to be able to uh kick start the mvp and the sales for it so can you give me a little more context like what kind of industry are you in like what are you what 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 are you thinking like and what do you mean by marketing budget in in the sense like what is your budget so i mean right now i'm in the process of setting up a budget so my struggle has been to so i'm i'm working uh, so i have a company which is a year old and we sell handmade products for corporate gifting uh, and it's a b2b business um so it is uh, just like i'm in the process of starting a marketing uh 
launch, you know, uh, in that sense. So I'm at that stage of trying to figure um, how much is a good budget at this point in time. Uh, so I'm, I'm purely coming from that experience. And LinkedIn has worked really well for us. Um, so and referrals. So I think these are the two mediums I'm looking at capitalizing. So I think one one thing I see is like if you are you gonna if you're looking to raise funds, right? So there is a different strategy. If you're not looking to raise funds, there is a different strategy, right? Not at the moment, not raising funds, not immediately. Got it. Because if you have that, then you play the game accordingly. And then if you not, then it's a different thing, right? If you want to run right. a bootstrap, uh, so uh, it depends on your budget. If if LinkedIn is working for you, just measure the CM2 level, right? The co contribution margin two. Uh, so, and also figure out your unit economics, like, you know, let's say an ad is, is the customer acquisition cost in link on LinkedIn. I don't know what, what it is, right. Let's say it's 5,000 rupees, right. As an example, randomly, right. But your customers are buying worth because it's a, it's a bulk order. I'm assuming the corporate, right. right? So they might buy for 20,000, right. Right. And then what is the LTV, the customer lifetime value see it, you know? So mm -hmm. if you have those calculations in place, you, you should be able to come out with your budget because. I obviously don't know about your business and I don't know any of these numbers, right? But then you should be able to figure out if I'm burning or if I'm able to profitably get a customer, then there is no budget need. You know, you can just go crazy. Right. You know, right. if you're if you're breaking even on your very first sale through an ad, then I don't think you need a budget. It's a beautiful business in today's time. You can just scale it to like whatever you want to. Okay. So that's where the unit economics, if it is not breaking, even you're burning money with that, right? Hmm. Then you have to come to the uh, customer lifetime value discussion. Okay. okay. So it, I might burn in the first order, but I, I make the money back. If the customer repeats, it, it makes at least two purchases. And I know this because I have seen the data. I have a very strong repeat and that's what happens in D2B. Your repeat is very strong. Got it. And that so could be a good benchmark then to start setting. Absolutely. Up. D2B is all about like, you know, more, less marketing and more relationship. Uh, yeah. and more repeat business. And so that's why you get steady cash flows and steady profits and you can use them and getting referral from them actually is the best thing because their referral will count a lot more. Right. Right. This is helpful. Thank you so much. Um, Rohit, moving on to, you know, talking about acquisition, um, a, a really important question that came up a lot when we were getting registrations was what's the best acquisition strategy to get quality leads? Uh, what's something that brands can uh, adopt over here? Um, it's difficult to say because I obviously use ads a lot, right? I, I, I start with that and referrals. These are two things we work on. Uh, and because now we have some experience, so it, it is a different journey for us. Uh, we have a database of a lot of emails ourselves, you know, so we can, uh, sort of have a lookalike of that on Facebook for other brands as well, uh, without kind of disrespecting their privacy, uh, or sending emails. So that also helps because building your audience set online for ads is, is extremely important. Right. Okay. Um, and I think one should also use a marketplaces also, right. A little bit. All right. Uh, Radhika has a question on, you know, leveraging the ch channel partners, actually. Uh, Radhika, you'd like to unmute yourself. Yeah. Hi, Rohit. Uh, thanks for your uh, insights. It's actually a very useful discussion. Uh, I just had a quick question, particularly, I mean, everybody focuses on performance marketing and, and those kinds of things, but I was wondering whether uh, for certain types of categories of businesses, like, for example, healthcare or health tech, whether there is, you know, what, how we can better use channel partners um, as well as platform partners to create brand awareness and to generate some sort of lead or customer acquisition. I wonder whether you've had any experience in that and what's worked for you well, it would be great to know. 
So if you can give a little more context, because I don't know about healthcare as much or health tech. So if you can give me a context and what you mean, then I can probably help yeah, you. What do you mean partners and channels? But I'm saying like channel partners. So let's say let's say you're a supplement brand as an example, okay? And uh, one of the you want to reach the end consumer, but uh, you also realize that, for example, nutritionists or doctors or health coaches are going to be sort of a uh, a route uh, to get to them. What do you think would be sort of any any thoughts there on how better to uh, leverage those channel partners because they're you they're kind of doing the work for you a little bit. Got it. So let's say nutraceutical or whatever yeah. that, that is a range, right? So that's uh, so let's say we, we even we had that range, right? Um, so let's say you are doing that on Amazon, for example, or you're trying to sell them on Nike or you're selling them on Health Part, right? These are your channel partners. So they are good for customer discovery, but then you're not building a brand there. Correct. Right. So you are just being a commodity. Customer is looking for a product. Your you put your ad or whatever. Because otherwise, if you don't put your ad, it's a chicken and egg. If your product is not selling, it will not come organically in the search. And right. to get to that, you have to be discovered or you should be a strong brand, right? So sort of then you have to burn money for that, right? So it is always a tricky thing. Um, going with the other route of healthcare uh, sort of staff or this nutritionist and all that. It's not that easy also because they charge a bomb nowadays, right? So, so and and the more authentic they are, the more they will charge, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a tricky part. Everyone's trying to solve that. If if I had an answer, I would I would like be a you know a <laughs> with a unicorn myself right now. But you know, so that's something you'll have to figure out. And and sometimes, you know, being an being yourself as an authority really helps in today's time. Because everyone is charging money. And if you don't have money to spend, like I I always work on a funded model because we get funding quickly, luckily because of experience. So it's it's slightly different. And I, and I I struggled in man company initially, like I I had a ridiculously low valuation when I went for money because I realized that I am not a content person. Like I can, I'm a copywriter. I can write all the ads and everything, but I'm not that content strategist, like, or who can build a brand around that, that message. Right. You know, like for example, some of my friends are doing a great job in, 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 in food business, for example, you know, um, so that's something you have to figure out. You can, can you be that brand? Can you be that voice where customers follow you and you, you, because that's where the USP will be, right? Because your products will not be differentiated eventually. I mean, the same, you're not doing it yourself. You're not making it yourself. The vendor is doing it. Right. So any like ashwagandha or let's say a, a biotin, like is the same product across, right? Because the vendors right. are going to, so if the product is not that differentiated, how much can a story do? Unless there is that authenticity or some kind of a message that drills down in a consumer's mind that, you know, your product is better or your brand is better. So thought leadership is what you're referring to in some ways. That can help in if you yeah. don't have the budget because then you will have to do something better, right? Because then right. there are many people who will have the same thing, right? I have a product, I have this, what do I do? Being that thought leader or being that influencer yourself. Yep really helps like Huda, for example, I mean, everyone probably knows her, like, you know, she started with a makeup brand and she became that influencer. Yeah. Even Katrina has launched it. And that really works in that model. And of course they had, uh, Huda did not have money, but she did. She did. Right. Katrina, obviously. So, so you have to figure out how can you be the voice for your brand? Got it. Thank you. Hope that answers your question, uh, Radhika and Aruna. I saw your response as well. Uh, you know, moving on to like when we're talking about marketing, we've seen that a lot of brands these days are also talk- taking the omni-channel approach. So when you're kind of looking at that strategy, how does marketing work and how does it influence the consumer j- journey in that aspect? So offline is a very tricky thing. Like um, it's it's very expensive. 
and expensive uh, because you know uh, let's say you you tie up with a big bazaar or you I'm, I'm just giving again my context is you know or or a, or a salon looks or, or something like that everyone will first charge you some money to get listed okay so there is a listing fees uh, for the brand and for the product and sometimes when they are very established they say per per branch you have to pay the fees right so that is a lot of upfront capital that you need like big fmcg companies like unilever png have that advantage they already have the relationship and that's where the moat is right so as a startup if you want to try this route it's very expensive uh, the upfront fees sometimes let's say through some pull or some connection you got in then you have to keep x number of products which is a working capital and for a new brand people don't buy randomly like okay i let me buy a new brand today in, in a store right they usually go to buy commodity like things they know they they are comfortable with right so setting up an omni channel strategy upfront can be very tricky so it just has to be thought through right i would rather have a small store which actually is like your website it's just that if your website nobody is able to come without you know it's like it's like you know a completely dark universe right how do you know which which one where is your shop right i mean nobody knows it right so so if you have a shop that's also okay if you can keep one authentic story in in some area where people can discover you that could be an omni channel strategy initially just a small store a temporary one even so that you otherwise you will get lost in in a big bazaar kind of a thing so you know because people are buying brands over there which are already established so omni channel has to be taken care of with money and thought process the right strategy and i'm i'm just saying that own store is an example in my case because i keep thinking about a beauty brand should have their own store so bear and at me uh, we are working on the revamping the complete so we we are thinking of a store right but uh, that's a different experience store but that's a omni channel strategy for us and that's interesting to hear the own store concept where you know a lot of brands actually end up becoming a part of a larger brand and you know retailing over there um another question that we got a lot you know uh, was when you're talking about uh, and we spoke about this before also about you know consumers and their lack of attention uh, in better words in today's time there's a lot of churn that brands are actually able to see with a lot of brands actually coming up in the same sector as well the churn's just been phenomenal um, what are some appropriate marketing strategies i know you spoke about uh, communication being one of them but what besides communication can we kind of do to kind of retain those consumers at one point as well so um the lot of things you can do like you know once you have your customers database like you know you made a sale on your website for example right. right you have their email phone numbers and all like you can do a lot of things you can always give some kind of email strategy right it still works uh, it may not be as good as it used to be uh, because again in inbox is cluttered but you have to be creative like the more personalized message you give the more uh, right segmentation you do with your customer like instead of just dropping a mail hey this sale so you keep doing that you know sometimes people will buy but then you will also become a spam like you're not doing the sale thing right then you are not really differentiating but let's say somebody bought from my website and i'll give you an example of hair care somebody had like you know dandruff for example right so we could send an email without trying to sell anything to say these are the remedies you can have for dandruff and a content that's actually relevant for them because we can tag it online for us because we are a tech system as well so we can send content uh, for for let's say dandruff to you know so customer says okay he's not only trying to sell me okay this is useful for me so this is a free tip right so that's okay and a couple of times and then obviously you nudge hey by the way you can take this product you can you can have a goal you know the season has changed so you can build that relationship the nurturing part right that can happen through your own own database as well right so that's something i would say sometimes uh, you know retention programs work you know where you give some kind of loyalty points referral points again 
cliche and and happens but a lot of people still don't do it right so that also helps uh, there are tools like web engage clever tap which actually helps you automate the uh, the retention process as well i don't advise you to have that in the early stage of your journey because it takes a lot of bandwidth and and kind of money as well uh, that can be explored later on once you're more mature there are a lot of things to be done apart from having those tools early on but that's also another strategy to do so now everything for us is automated we don't really do anything for retention on a manual thing thank you so much for that rohit i think it's really interesting uh, to see how it's changed over the past couple of years as well uh, purnima actually has a question on the personalization bit and especially what you've managed to do with bear anatomy um, purnima go ahead and ask your question please Yeah, hi, hi, Rohit. So, uh, I've I've been a user of uh, both uh, Man Company and Bear Anatomy, and uh, uh, I actually uh, chanced upon Bear Anatomy through uh, one of your Instagram posts, and uh, then I found the whole proposition quite unique. Where customization um, was something that you were, uh, you know, uh, taking the lead on. So that worked really well, and that got me thinking that um, you know how in an over penetrated market. um there are certain levers that help you differentiate so do you think like uh, while uh, uh, customization is one lever what other such levers uh, are you seeing that are emerging in the market today in india specifically for t2c brands so uh, this personalization is happening across like in nutra also they are doing that uh, um there is there is a there's an ingredient led stories that are coming in like mcafeen is an example right it will just have one one ingredient and and the entire brand will be built around it it just makes things easier for consumers to kind of remember otherwise there are so many brands with so many products uh, at least ye yaad raha jata hai right um again uh, very different and unique products like either you can have the same product but innovate on packaging so innovation is a key basically either it's in the product form or it's in the packaging let's say a hair color right everyone in the home care we know like you know when the color comes like you know the old school is like you know you put it and you kind of put it and uh, you know you put it on your hair and it, it it kind of dries for a while and all that but there are there are packaging let's say in us where they are having the two walls like there's a white and a black color i think color mein uh, i'm just talking about an innovation a lot of people may not get it uh, but it 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 is like a can so you don't really have to touch anything you don't have to mix it anywhere you don't you know it you can just straight away apply on your hair so you can innovate from that perspective uh, it makes customers life easier right in that sense so the recall increases because you're helping them save time or or the nuisance of that process that you're trying to cut short on right so that's another way to build a brand uh, because you're giving some convenience uh, for a need that they already had right you create hooks basically in some way sorry you create a hook of some sort in the product itself that basically helps you absolutely right yeah. i mean a lot of like rogaine in the us used to do uh, you know the subscription because us mein subscription fir bhi chalta hai uh, yeah. but but they had this this strategy that you know you have to use it every day and the the moment you stop using it, you know, whatever hair you, we have helped you save they will also go away so that fear you know really yeah. help them have a very good subscription and a very profitable business right you know so india mein subscription chalta nahi hai but that that fear that story doesn't come out in in some of the brands so like you have to use it otherwise this will happen so fear can be one innovation can be one uh, conceptually uh, ingredient led a lot of other things like that can happen yeah thank you thank you so much rohit you spoke a lot about how you've actually managed to completely automate uh, the data and the tech bit on uh, pair anatomy for example you know getting all the data in and you're not doing anything manually as such um how essential is it and what are some of the essential data points that one can 
like a brand should have when they're looking at their consumer uh, discovery, when they're looking at their consumer market as such. Any uh, tips over there? So when you're doing discovery, you don't really have data. Like, you know, usually like for us, like we are a brand, like in that sense, we have been there for two years, three years now. So we have a lot of data. We can play around with that. Right. Like we can segment, dissect, you know, all that. But when you are starting, you don't really have data to do much, right? The only thing you have is probably go to an agency who can help you with some kind of learning they may have, right? Unless you used to run performance marketing or other things. So data is a challenge when you're starting up. And data is another challenge. Once you have a lot of people don't know what to do with the data. Um, so data is, is, is a very funny word. Like everyone knows it's interesting, but not everyone knows how to use it. Yeah. So I've come from a consulting world where, where data is just commodity. It's just there, right? It doesn't tell you anything, but data has to draw some insights and insights have to lead to some recommendations, right? So if you don't even look at data the right way, then there's no point collecting data. A lot of interest coming in on your automation of the data and how you're using it at Bear Anatomy. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? It makes me sound very smart, but it's a tool. It's automated. I don't even sit on it. I don't even know what it is now. Uh, but but uh, you can explore a tool like Web Engage. Um, I, if you, I mean, I can. It's Web Engage, right? It's a very simple name. But as I said, that's something that requires money. They they will charge about like you know, um, I think thousand dollars a month. I think uh, up to you. But then the bigger problem is you need a person setting and setting all those journeys to automate. And if you don't have that experience, so you need two people. One is a technical person to build that, integrate with your website, and then somebody to guide you what is the right strategy. So it's a little, I won't say it's rocket science. It's a very simple thing. It just requires a lot of bandwidth and people for that, right? At least that way. Uh, these companies can also help you at least set up the basics. You know, you want to send an email every every few days or something like that. That can happen, Right. Sometimes you can send WhatsApp messages in through automated journeys as well. Sometimes you can send SMSs, emails, all this can be done. Uh, I would advise this should be taken up once you are a little more advanced in your journey, because there is a lot to be done when you're building a brand rather than just focusing on uh, this part of the process. But uh, like when you were starting with your brands, and I think uh, Radhika also has a similar question. Uh, how did you go about journey mapping? You know, when you were starting with the brands, uh, especially with the man company. So there was no concept of journey at that time because setting up the business was more important. Setting up the website, the first set of performance mark. As I said, that's what I'm saying from experience. Like I, I did not do retention at that time as much. Like you know, and after a year, I got into Clavio, which which really was really helpful as an email tool. But that's like again fifteen hundred dollars. Like it probably may not be worth it. You know. So what I'm trying to say is that of course we had funding at that time and all that we could pull that off. Uh, but you need people also for that. And, and I think it happens with time. Uh, there are a lot of simple things. Like if you can manually send emails right now through, through like say MailChimp or, or like, you know, such tools, that's also good enough today because, you know, automation for something, you're just overcomplicating your life. Yeah. At this point, I would just say if, if you're in the first six months of your journey or let's say, you know, you can, you can always email them. So I'm not saying don't do retention. I'm just saying do it smartly. Don't over-invest or don't over-optimize for automating your retention. You can still send a mail to them once a month, twice a month manually because it's not a very complicated thing. That still happens through tool automatically, by the way. You can just pull up your email list, have a subject line, have your mail, and that gets sent to everyone. So that's sort of is also okay to do initially. Got it. Um, coming to this current scenario, you know, right now with the pandemic, you've had a lot of traditional uh, brands and, you know, uh, a lot of larger FMCG brands as well who've shifted to the D2C uh, sector. 
So as a brand that's just starting up and a brand that's not at, at you know, the scale that an uh, established traditional brand is, how do you still kind of keep your moat uh, and how do you sustain yourself in that sector then? So moat is, 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 is a thing that everyone has to solve for them, right? So for us, it's, it's sort of the innovation right uh, and scale like you know uh, chemist at play is a brand which launched six months back but we are already at like 18 crore arr like annual uh, rendered right because what we thought through we've given a given a lot of thought a lot of r d went to that as i said a lot of innovative project like transamic acid which you don't even find in india ceramide based body lotion we have a acne uh, we have a body wash for acne like it's an innovative product not many people in india have it and of this is, doesn't even dry your skin. Like, you know, most of the acne products will actually dry your skin. So this doesn't even dry because it has hydrating uh, pentavitin and all the other things as well. That, and these are a lot of based on clinical studies. So, so for beauty, we realize our moat, you know, in a crowded market, I, I have a slide for investors where I, when you search onion oil, you will see all the products looking the same, selling the same shampoo, uh, same message. And when, when you look at our products, they're highly differentiated. So that's our mode, like innovation, R&D, because we have our uh, own R&D and manufacturing setup. So that's how we work. You know, I, I started with an R&D lab as a company, right? That was the craziest thing to do. I would never recommend anyone to do it because I, I wasted a lot of time and money, but it really worked out in the long term for us, uh, luckily, uh, because investors started seeing that as a value in a crowded world where everyone has the same skincare products, for example. Well, that completely makes sense uh, just to kind of stand out in how you're doing things. Uh, Shani has a question on something that you'd mentioned about marketing approaches being different when you're looking to get funded and not looking to get funded. Um, how would you, uh, you know, could you expand a little bit more on how does it kind of change if you're looking to get funded, for example? Uh, if you're getting to get funded, then, you know, investors like to see your growth, right? Anything that's abnormally crazy like they love it right and it's not that they will invest on the first meeting right i mean unless you've done something really crazy right i mean beyond some imagination right but they want to evaluate you for a while so you may have you may need enough money to continuing that thing because once you go in that route you cannot stop like right. if you start spending money for marketing and you're you're having growth and suddenly investors have not given you yes and you want to pull back your money, like, you know, and it will crash. And when it crashes, investors will not invest because it's it's sort of that loop. Oh, you're, oh shit, what happened here, right? So you want to have enough capital to sustain that, you know, and, and you have to be very smart when you want to close your round. No, absolutely. I think, uh, absolutely. Uh, Nietzsche here has a question uh, on, you know, how you were validating uh, the gap as well. Uh, Nija, would you like to unmute yourself and ask that question, actually? Oh, I think you did ask that there <laughs> already. But I think, Rohit, thank you. I mean, thank you for hosting this session for us today. And again, great products. I've been using them, both of them, and I think I'm really satisfied. Um, my question is very basic. Like, you know, when you said that you found the gap, that there was no nobody focusing on that space of, you know, men's skincare, and, you know, there weren't any products around that, or beard care for that matter. I know, I mean, there were things that came to you intuitively, but did you apply any strategies to figure out that, yes, this is an existing same gap and people would want to invest or would want to buy products within this space what were some leaner strategies that you implemented at that time so at that time i did not even though i came from a strategy background and i worked in new york which is coincidentally either the background or you're really there i don't know uh, so it was more of a gut right i mean i want to do it and i will do it 
I, I did not have a data point because most of the reports, like a Euromonitor report would say men's grooming is only $800 million and out of which 400 is shaving and 400 is toiletry and other products, right? So investors will look about and say, this is not a big market, right? The big VCs, right? So I still went ahead with it because I was super passionate. I felt no matter what, I will do it. And now, you know, once you have enough players in the market, the market grows. Because my, my belief was like, Men, women, they're 50%, like, let's say, ballpark, right? And men also shop for themselves eventually, or women have, they don't have the option today. And that is why the reports are skewed. Uh, you know, once men start realizing they have a different shampoo, they have a different body wash than Lux or, or whatever is available in the market, right? The literal, whatever, then they will eventually get it, right? And that's really worked for us. But obviously now as I've grown, you know, and I understand that language of what the investors want to talk, I also have a very interesting and a detailed slide on how I do it now, right? You know, starting from market research to, to kind of uh, changing, uh, fine tuning your hypothesis to actually doing a prototyping launch uh, to our initial set of customers to get the feedback. You know, so everything is from, right? The product strategy, the brand strategy, the product strategy, everything starts kind of evolving. And we launch and get some data around it. We also do a lot of searches around keywords. If if there are searches happening uh, on Google keywords, like you know, if there is a trend that one can catch, right? Uh, uh, that's one. But that's data is available with everyone, right? So that's there. There are things you can always talk to people. Uh, sometimes uh, they they can help you. Yeah, ye product nahi hai, ye market mein hai, hota do, like you know. So sometimes you lived outside and you want to be in India. You don't have that product. So there are a lot of interesting opportunities, but you have to validate your hypothesis. Is it big enough or not? And sometimes data may support it. Sometimes it may not, and you still have to take a call. Yeah, I love that. I love that the fact that you went with your gut and you said that this is something that will work because, you know, we've seen memes and we've seen jokes about this that, you know, you have elbow elbow creams and nail cream from women, but you have like a shampoo, body wash, mouthwash, and like every everything that you can think of in one bottle for men. So I think it was definitely good for you to go with that gut and build the company that you've built so far. So proud of you and thank you. Uh, Rose, we spend a lot of time talking about what one should do and how one can kind of go about creating that marketing strategy for themselves. What are some of the red flags that a brand actually needs to look out for? Uh, can we like talk a little bit more on this part? Um, so obviously, there's some very obvious one, right? You never take a claim that you cannot substantiate, right? Uh, very, very uh, bad example, but like, you know, you know, you say you will solve for hair fall, right? And and you cannot. Like I also realized that when I was building, even though the intentions were right, the science was right, but hair fall is beyond control for shampoos, right? Sometimes it could be the hard water you're using, it could be the stress level, it could be heredity, so stuff like that. So there is always a mismatch um, that can happen. Uh, that's sort of uh, you have to be careful. I won't say it's a red flag, but you have to be careful because you know if you're trying to build a science story and you don't deliver on your promise, then then that's not a good thing, right? In in that sense, so I, I kind of realize that also. Um, not trying to go against what is happening in as a trend, like you know you're trying to launch a fairness cream, for example, right? You will get a lot of backlash, even though there are there's a majority customers are there, they will still buy it. Like you know a lot of Unilever still bestseller is fair and lovely and and imami is fair and handsome right so that is still there but that's happening at a at a kirana or 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 that but when you're trying to build something on social media they that may not be so figuring out what is the right you know brand strategy also that you want to work on 
No, absolutely. I think uh, certain things definitely to kind of look out for over there. Uh, before we literally at the last few minutes of our session today, so we're going to take on one or two uh, of the last questions. Uh, Haley has an interesting question on something that you said about creating demand. Uh, Haley, would you like to unmute yourself and ask? Sorry, I wouldn't prefer to keep my video on. I'm actually oh, sorry. So, yeah. Uh, Roy just wanted to understand the great point on creating demand. Um, but uh, at some point when it gets stagnant, uh, what do you think is the strategy to pivot and get new customers? I'm sure the repeat is something that can be maintained with uh, creating a brand value, but acquiring new customers and the growth, what do you think would be the strategy there? Well, uh, do whatever you can in your power and, and resources, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, when I started Man Company, so the reason I'm saying that is because I did not have money. And and I was I was new, I was fresh. I had even no context of India, no no connection. Like, you know, a lot of you may be there, right? Um, and now I am in a different situation uh, where I got funding pre-launch, pre right? So I will go to that example. Uh, I, at that time, I did a lot of other things, right? I, I I kind of had this kiosk set up. Right? it's a snap deal office or it's it's uh, any like sakit, select city mall, or or even at a Diwali Mela in a store, uh, in, in sorry, in a society. Right. So I have done all that. I would, I would have a kit. I would, I would assemble it. I would read at six o'clock in the morning with my team. Uh, we will assemble it. Uh, you know, usko kaise khada karna hai, uska pura fixture, apne products list karne hai, pamphlet rakhne hai. So I would do that. I would do door to door selling when I had to. Right. Uh, because for me, I realized that there is, there is definitely, I, I, I was hundred percent convinced that there is demand. It's just that the consumer discovery is a challenge, right? So I did a lot of these offline activations. I will not call it omni-channel, but I did some activations offline. And, and I tried to be in wherever opportunity I would get. I, even if I had sometimes, I remember I was, I, I was spending like around 2 lakhs rupees as well uh, for a weekend in Select City. Uh, but I did that, right? And, and obviously I generated a lot of sales because our strategy was to sell kits, uh, gifting sets, right? Uh, so, so stuff like that. I mean, it depends on what your product is, what, what your band is, where your audience is. Uh, it could be an education software. So you do something like that for parents or school teachers and stuff like that, whatever. Got it. Got it. Yeah. All right. One uh, of the last few questions that we're going to take is something that Shivangi wants to ask uh, on social media. Shivangi, you'd like to unmute yourself. Thank you so much. So it is in continuation to what uh, I just mentioned that uh, as a brand, you know, we are so dependent on Amazon and, and uh, Facebook and Instagram. And I feel that the market is so crowded that you end up wasting more money and seeing and coming from a lean brand, you know, we're just starting out. So uh, discovering on a larger platform, like, you know, Select City, like it, the example you gave, going on to uh, a mall and setting up your kiosk. Well, I feel that, you know, we have such, such huge uh, presence of an offline market with different players. I mean, different, I come from, a, I come from a Banya family. So we have a set of shopkeepers, you know, who sell different stuff and they play around. So do you think for reaching brand and global, can we have some organic strategy apart from social media, apart from the YouTubes, apart from influencers, wherein we can have our product plays and get more of a brand exposure? Like, you know, Shark Tank is doing that. I mean, 
Shark Tank is giving people platform to expose their product as well. So just some something like in the similar sense, if if you can put some light on. So uh, you mean organic but online? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, uh, organic but not necessarily mm-hmm. online. Like I am somebody who's away from mobile for most of the time. So not limiting myself to a social media or an online presence, but still getting out in front of people. Won't we all like to do that? But my question is like, how? I still am not able to get the question. You you want to get people on your website or on your store, Dukan? Like, where where do you want to get people? On the website, I okay. want to sell my product. I do not want to limit my advertising or you know medium of reaching out to people to just social media. That's Fine. the question. So if you don't want to do social media, uh, and you might say, as I said, offline was an example I gave. I did these stores, yeah. events like Diwali ka Vatika mein hua Gurgaon mein. I went there. I did that in in other things, other Snapdeal ke office mein, some something like that, right? So that was one way because people get to discover you and they can feel the product. In my case, the fragrance was very important. So I wanted them to feel that open the bottle like a shaving gel. It was an amazing fragrance. There's a body wash that you know, so they could try it out. So that worked for me. Uh, I'm not sure what your product is and uh, how how it will work. There are a lot of things like you can do a sampling, for example, right? You can give a discount voucher. A lot of people do that. It has slight, very poor conversion rate, like maybe one to four percent, depending on the channel or the right audience you're doing, and they can come to your website. So you have to do your math. I'm gonna sell hundred products, for example, as a sample, but four will return to my website. Again, it's costly affair. It's not hundred percent organic, but the fact is that you have to earn that organic. You have to work hard for it. If every if organic is not the easy thing, right? SEO can be done. SEO can be tried if you can do really well on that. Yeah. So that is something you can, but that takes a little bit of time. It doesn't happen overnight. It may take six months for an SEO strategy to start working out, uh, but you have to be an expert or you need to hire the best ex- agency for that. So that can happen. So you have to be very smart in aligning the searches that people are doing and you are meeting those things. Hmm. Thank so, but, but yeah, but my example is if you're trying to sell a shampoo and you're saying SEO is my strategy, it's going to backfire significantly yeah. because companies like Mama or Wow are really ahead, right? In that sense. Okay. And even the FMCG L'Oreal's of the world. So fighting them on SEO will not be that thing. But if you're doing something very innovative, then maybe try Turkish, but it has to match the search volumes. If that's what you're looking at. Okay. Hope Thank that answers the question, Shivangi. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, members, this brings us to an end of this very, very exciting and insightful session. Thank you so much, Rohit, for joining us today. It's been super interesting, uh, so much to take back from here. Very, very insightful. I know you've had a tough uh, day. You've been under the weather, but we're really, really thankful for you uh, for joining us today. It was fun being here. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And members, uh, thank you so much for being such an amazing audience as ever. Uh, We're going to see you at our next Leap.Club experience very, very soon. Till then, have a great week, all of you.